This is a Federal News Network podcast. After nearly 30 years at the IRS, including three years as head of its criminal investigations division, you'll learn a thing or two. My next guest decided to see how life looks from the private sector point of view. He's now director of investigations at the law firm Costellanitz and Fink. His name is Don Fort, and he joins me now. Mr. Fort, good to have you on. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the invitation, Tom. So what makes someone decide at this point to go to the dark side here and represent the people he used to go after? <laughs> we like to call it the gray side. <laughs> so 29 years, you know, I think a, a long time to do any job. And in some ways, it seems like it's a really long time. But when I look back on it, it went really, really fast and really had a had an amazing 29 years and just thought it was time for a change and really, you know, worked my way up from an entry level special agent to uh running the sixth largest law enforcement agency in the U.S. So it's kind of hard to top that and really, um, you know, after the top law enforcement job in the IRS, it was uh, really ready for a change. And I think like a lot of people, this pandemic gives you maybe too much time to think about things, you know, that they had plenty of time to think about it in my career. It's typically been three or four years, you know, really get the hang of the job, start to feel comfortable and ready for a new challenge. And I'm also a, a strong believer that organizations and agencies need new leadership periodically. And having been at the top for, you know, five or six years, it was really time for others to take charge. And just give us a sense of what a day in the life was like at head of criminal investigations. Everyone knows about it, but luckily most Americans never encounter it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you never have to encounter IRS criminal investigation. But yeah, it's a 3,000 person organization, a criminal division of the IRS. That's It's an interesting setup because it's part of a 70,000 plus largely civil organization, many moving parts and the oversight that comes with any federal agency. And again, the delicate balance of being a major law enforcement agency inside of a civil organization. So I'd love to, to give you some exciting examples of busting down doors and raids and traveling the world in the interest of justice. But the vast majority of time was ensuring the agency was accomplishing its mission, which is really protecting the integrity of the tax system in the United States. But a lot of lobbying and jockeying for resources and funds and, and assuring that the agency and the employees had everything that they needed to do their mission interacting with the commissioner and other executives at the IRS and speaking publicly about the role of IRS criminal investigation. And pre-pandemic, the most fun part of the job was traveling around the country, meeting the employees, hearing about the great investigations that are going on, and really kind of living vicariously through the agents and the work that they're doing. Lots of meetings, lots of phone calls, and, and lots of strategy to try to get from point A to point B, which as uh, most everybody knows, is rarely a straight line in the government. And lots of interagency work, too. Every time I read one of those 2,000-word Justice Department press releases on a big bust or something, often you see IRS CI, criminal investigations, as part of the team, along with justice and the uh, prosecutors. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because the work that we do, and really any law enforcement agency, we're the investigators and the fact-finders. And we make those recommendations to the Department of Justice. But all of the cases that IRS criminal investigation works are with the Justice Department. And what did you learn about human nature in all of this work, especially in the criminal investigations? Because I think people's reaction to taxes, how they treat taxes, how they deal with the government, often reveals more than just their financial strategy, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the mission and the jurisdiction that IRS criminal investigation has, you see kind of all ranges of humanity. You see about 70 plus percent of the work that we do is tax crime. So generally white collar economic crime could be in any profession, any part of the world. But with the resources that we have, we're really dealing with the folks that, you know, th- this is not a mistake or an in- inadvertent omission. They had the intent to break the law, you know, to get our leg up on the competition or, you know, for whatever reason. So that's the, you know, the vast majority of work. You know, your listeners probably don't realize is that the other 30 percent is that work, the high level money laundering cases, the working the drug kingpins, a lot of cyber cryptocurrency work recently some major takedowns in, in those particular areas. So it is a kind of unique in that we see all ranges of humanity really in this job. We're speaking with Don Fort. He's director of investigations at the law firm Costalanitz and Fink and former chief of the IRS Criminal Investigations Division, where he was until just recently. And I wanted to ask about that idea of you know, how do you know when something is just an inadvertent mistake? Let's face it, the tax code is easy to violate. I think Jimmy Carter, as far back as his presidency, called it a disgrace to humanity. And, of course, the IRS doesn't write the code. You just have to enforce it versus those that are out there to really steal money or tax evasion. You know, I kind of refer to it as a, as a broad spectrum. On the one side, you have the hardened tax evaders. On the other side, you have the, you know, the people that maybe made a mistake or made a math error or something on a return. And the difference as you look at the deliberate tax evaders is, again, they have the intent to break the law. And the way that the system is designed in the United States, again, is that, that an IRS criminal investigator will gather the facts. They'll interview witnesses, they'll interview the return preparer and the CPA and build the case. And then you have to prove that the person had the intent. And you do that through various means, documents and interviews, witness statements. And then it goes through many, many levels of review. And again, it has to clear many hurdles and get over to the Department of Justice. They have to do their own review and make the determination that, yes, this is a deliberate violation of the law. On the other end of the mistakes is really where I think the service in Internal Revenue Service comes in. I often think that if I had an issue with the IRS or my friends or families or coworkers, and you had a mistake or an inadvertent issue on a tax return, you should be able to call and get somebody on the phone to deal with that. And there's a lot of different mechanisms at the IRS. We are dealing with the 2,000 special agents that work for IRS criminal investigation are dealing with, you know, largely major tax evaders and corporations, individuals, small businesses. But there's a very clear line that they deliberately intended to violate the law. And thinking about the division itself and the agency that you came up through, it's smaller than it was 10 or 15 years ago. Did you feel that you had the adequate resources for the various jobs when you were doing them throughout those years? That's a great question. And, and if you had asked me two months ago, I wouldn't have been able to answer. But now that I'm not with the government anymore, it's uh, the blunt answer really is no. I mean, the IRS overall is grossly underfunded. And again, I just made that point about the name service in the Internal Revenue Service. People should be able to call like you call a private business and get somebody on the phone. And there's so many competing priorities that just isn't a possibility right now. As far as CI, yeah, I I started in 1991. So in the mid-90s, there were over 3,500 special agents. Now there are roughly 2,000. The population has exploded since then. And think just about the technology that's changed since then. So the world has gotten much more sophisticated 
the world has gotten smaller and your ability to, you know, send money around the world with a click of a button or with your phone. So it's much more sophisticated financial transactions, yet the staffing is down radically. And in those years, did you have a favorite commissioner? <laughs> well, I was... <laughs> When I was the uh, the chief, the last three years, I, I had uh, you know a lot of dealings with the commissioner. Prior to that, you know, agents and supervisors don't have much dealings with the commissioner. But these last two commissioners, I have to say, have been incredibly approachable, down to earth, and very supportive of the IRS mission and really the CI mission. And what will you do now as director of investigations at a law firm? I guess that specializes in tax cases. It's a boutique law firm, and it does a lot of work in civil and criminal tax controversy, all types of litigation. And so I will be working essentially on the other side in certain tax matters. But again, when you think about the way the the justice system works in the U.S., the side that I was on working for the government is gathering facts to try to see if there's enough evidence to prove a tax violation. On the side that I'm at now is trying to gather facts to see if there's enough evidence to prove that there isn't a violation. So just kind of different sides of that equation, but also looking to expand business and into some anti-money laundering areas and monitorships and internal investigations. But a fantastic firm that I've been you know, associated with for many years. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing if I can prove myself now on, on the outside. And just a final question on detail here, I imagine in the whole money laundering scheme, the cryptocurrency phenomenon must be changing the game in really odd ways. You know, it is the latest evolution in the movement of money. You know, you think about 50 years ago and you you, you couldn't wire transfer money. So it's just a really the latest transformation in how money moves, how you document and build a case basically stays the same. But yeah, it adds complexity. So you've seen a lot of these big cryptocurrency cases that people have heard of Cases like Silk Road and Alpha Bay, and more recently, the Twitter hack, the child exploitation case, the terrorist financing case that was just brought. Those are IRS cases, and they were largely solved through following the money. And our expertise really to track and trace that money, again, adds a level of complexity with the uh, cryptocurrency, but I think they're proven they can get it done. And I think the next wave is those that are using cryptocurrency in some way to evade their taxes. Don Fort is director of investigations at the law firm Costellanitz and Fink and former chief of the IRS Criminal Investigations Division. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks. I appreciate it, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.